This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Alric Heck. Alric is a leading expert in YouTube ads and runs ad outreach. Thank you for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to, to dive in. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you kind of get into the marketing space? Anything in terms of career pivots and how did you kind of just jump into it? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually started, you know, back in 2009, I created a YouTube channel. It was a totally different platform back then. I mean, you you probably remember, right? It was standard definition videos, star rating system. You know, it was very early in its stage. There wasn't a lot of professionally, you know, produced content out there. It's just a lot of stuff, you know, on, on YouTube. So back in 2009, I created a channel, AppFind, where I was reviewing you know, mobile apps, technology tutorials, and it really started to take off. You know, all of a sudden there were, you know, hundreds of thousands and then millions of people that were watching um, my videos. And, you know, this was like early on, you know, uh, which, which was incredible is you know, obviously over like 11 years ago now. And I remember I was growing the channel. I was getting new sponsors. I was getting people who were, you know, interested in having me promote their app on their channel. So they'd pay me, you know, thousands of dollars to talk about their app in, in some of the different videos, uh, to talk about their products, do all these kind of brand features. And, you know, by the time I got into, uh, got into college, um, you know, I wanted to really turn this into, you know, kind of like the four hour work week. So about, you know, six years ago or so, I uh, hired, you know, a, uh, you know, video editor, script writer, uh, you know, business development person, other peers that I had kind of with me in the, uh, you know, uh, university I went to. And, um, I actually was starting to turn it into kind of like the four hour work week. I had read, you know, four hour work week. I was so excited about that. And I knew that I wanted to really build more than just a YouTube channel. Like I knew there was so much more. I was loved marketing, video advertising, passionate about that. And so what I did was I actually, you know, took this YouTube channel. I automated a lot of the, the features of it, right? So the video editing, the script writing, you know, the business development. So I was kind of the, still the face of it and the voice of it, but I had all these different people working behind me and that gave me the ability to experiment. So one day about six years ago or so, we had a particular application that um, sponsored us a social media networking app, and they got you know tens of thousands of downloads, you know, hundreds of thousand views or whatever. And they're like, "This is great. Can you post the video again?" And I said, "Well, that's not exactly how it works, you know. As you know, and I know, right? You can't just post like the same video the next day and expect to get the exact same results with new people downloading. It's to be the same people watching it for the most part." And so I was telling them that, and they're like, "There must be some way." And that that's when the wheels started to turn a little bit. I said, what if we take this video and, and your app and we run this video as an ad to people that are similar to those that have already watched it and downloaded the app. And I started learning how YouTube ads worked and I started experimenting with it. And um, I ran a campaign for just $500 in one week. We got over 11,000 users for their app. It was just, it was incredible. They were blown away. And um, so they call me up, 
you know, they're like, Hey, we've got another big promotion. I actually do a promotion for a company that, um, you know, on YouTube with, with YouTube ads, you know, we're running thousands of dollars a day for this one. And, you know, that actually ended up becoming, you know, a unicorn company, which was, which was crazy. Um, and then from there, uh, not, not because, not because of that, but like, that was like the, the company that did it was like a big name. I mean to say, so obviously I'm not taking anywhere near any, any, don't, don't, yeah, not, not to misconstrue that. Right. But at the same time, it was that level of company. So this, this, um, you know, agency that, that was kind of, you know, hiring me as like an influencer, but then I was starting to do some of these YouTube ads for first a small company, then this bigger company that would then grow on to, to grow even bigger. Um, you know, basically they said, they, they called me up and they said, Hey, we want you to quit college, fly out here to Silicon Valley. You can head up our YouTube ads division. Um, you know, nice kind of six figure salary, all this other stuff. And I turned it down. I said, you know, or what I was thinking, I didn't necessarily say this, but you know, obviously I was very gracious and, and it was hard. It was a tough decision. But at the same time, I said, you know what? I actually feel like I want to be the king of my own castle as a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, business owners can, you know, relate to that, right? I want to be the king of my own castle, even if it's a smaller castle than be the knight, you know, leading a department in somebody else's, even as exciting as that sounded, you know, when I was, you know, in, in college um, to do that. And so I created originally app outreach. We were, you know, using YouTube ads, promote mobile apps. We drove millions of app downloads. And then another pivotal time came about, you know, uh, four, four and a half years ago now, um, you know, about a year and a half into running YouTube ads for mobile apps, which started six years ago. Um, I realized, wait a second, it's not just mobile apps I can promote with ads. I can actually promote other businesses. I got into ClickFunnels and I was—I saw them at a conference at you know HubSpot Inbound here in you know in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, they had a conference um, back in 2016 that I attended, and I, I went to the ClickFunnels booth and I got my ClickFunnels account. I started learning how to build funnels and all those things, and all of a sudden I was running YouTube ads for funnels and for you know courses and for coaches and for consultants and for you know online businesses and e-commerce as well and then you know eventually insurance and real estate like basically all of these different businesses that needed leads you could run on YouTube and that's what kind of it evolved to today so over the past 4 years I've been really refining this method for YouTube ads for businesses to, to you know kind of skyrocket those leads and sales and today it's, you know, it's a done with you process. So we really position ourselves very unique where, you know, we're helping our clients hands-on set this up, but at the same time, we're training them and giving them the tools. So instead of like an agency where they're kind of paying them forever, kind of beholden to them, we're actually helping to train them hands-on more than a course, but, you know, hands-on. And then we're basically giving them the keys so they can continue to grow and scale. And that's what we've done to this, you know, to this day. And it's, it's really exciting. Yeah, I think I think it's important to kind of refine what you're doing in terms of a space based on the industry or market changing, you know, technological advances. I mean, I'm in digital marketing. I've been in digital since 2008. So I'm not doing the same things I was in 2008 or utilizing the same platforms to, you know, reach a target audience or even the same strategies because some things became irrelevant. So it's one of those things I know of people that still do things exactly like they did during that time, but it's one of those things that it's important to uh, adapt and innovate. So I think 
complacency is the death of innovation. So if you have a business and you, you know, you refuse to innovate. I mean, if you look at the Fortune 500 list, majority of those 10, 20, 30 years ago, they no longer exist or, you know, so I think like ads or, you know, in this, in this case, YouTube ads, whenever they, or a platform comes out with new features, new ways to reach audiences, new formats, embrace it and not be standoffish to it. Exactly. I exactly. I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more with that. So what motivates you to succeed? Obviously those motivations may have changed over time, but what currently motivates you to succeed? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think that the biggest thing that motivates me, especially today is just building an incredible team. Uh, I absolutely love the team that I have. And, you know, I was actually just looking, you know, literally yesterday, we, we kind of put together our holiday card, you know, for, for some of our clients. And we're also going to post on social media, all of that as well. And it's just like all the different faces of our team members and, you know, and, and, and some, in some cases, I have some of their family and stuff like that too. And just, you know, uh, right now we have over 30 people on the team, which is just incredible, you know, how much we've grown, um, you know, in the, especially in the past year, we, we've grown a lot. Uh, I think we had, you know, six to eight people this time last year. So we've really, really grown um, and it's just been incredible. And so I think that the thing that motivates me the most is by, you know, really being able to be there for our clients and for our team and helping to, you know, basically lift everybody up and having this common goal that's going to be able to hit things. Innately, though, I've always just been motivated by achievement, but I think what I've attached to it now as well is like what the results of that are. So um, I am more directly involved in, you know, in the overall strategy that goes to our clients, but also more and more, I've been making a conscious shift to like how much me taking care of my team will now translate to clients. Because obviously, you know, we have kind of an elite kind of inner circle of clients that I work with, but um, the majority of our clients are working with a lot of our team members. And so, you know, I know that if I can give them the best experience um, and lift them up and train them and, you know, really take them all under my wing as like, you know, team members. And obviously we're all working on this together. Right? It's not just, you know, me there. It's like everybody has their own ideas and things. I think that's the biggest thing that really motivates me now. But I've always just had this insatiable desire to achieve. If you're familiar with like the Enneagram, you know, I'm like high, you know, on the three, you know, achiever, like a 99th percentile. And it's just always what I have had in the back of my head. Like, I don't know anything else other than making sure that like whatever I do, I strive to do at the highest level. And, you know, that's in, in business is, is the main area that, that I manifest that. Obviously, I try to do it for other places as well in my life. But um, that's the biggest area that, that I dive into. And so I've been very excited to, to scale things up, to hit different records and achieve. But at the same time, I'm tying it back to what does this do to my team? And then therefore, what does that do to all the clients and all the people that I impact? Because really, you know, trickles down to, to you know, so many people, because it's not just your, you know, me impacting my team at a high level who impacts our clients at a high level, you know, but then it's also those clients, how they're able to serve more people because, you know, we're helping our clients market. And, you know, we've got clients that teach people, you know, how to get fit, how to get in shape. We have clients, you know, who sell certain products, you know, that, that might, you know, um, help somebody or make somebody uh, look better. Or, you know, maybe like we, have, we even have a client that sells ocarinas, right? And it's just like this lighthearted, incredible thing. And we're running YouTube ads and, you know, they're getting like a 3X, I think some, some might be four, but like an average, like a 3X ROAS selling ocarinas, you know, that they make and they have people that like hand paint some of these and, and it's just incredible that, you know, we can help 
that person succeed and live like the dream that they want to live. But also we can help all the other people that get those ocarinas find an incredible amount of joy. And he's got some that are kind of like, you know, Legend of Zelda themed, a video game themed. And, 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 and it's just, and, and, and you can see because we know some of the testimonials that he's gotten, like, all right, the reaction that people have when they get this. And so it's really just this impact, creating the biggest impact possible. The most direct impact these days is with my team and then also with my team to the clients. But then the clients, it doesn't stop there. It you know continues going down. And that's what really motivates me these days. Yeah, I agree. If you have, obviously, if you're a solopreneur, obviously a little different. But when you have a team um, or, or building or scaling a team, it's it's important to kind of take care of them and figure out what their needs are and pass down that expertise that you have. So then you can scale your business and know that clients or whatever your business is, that business is in safe hands. So obviously, I think that if anyone wants to learn anything, like that's obviously knowledge, you can teach them that. Some of the soft skills, it's a lot harder, but having that passion and drive, you can teach it. And then, you know, you don't have to monitor the team as much. So if, I mean, if you own a business or a company, you, you, it's, there's tendencies to micromanage. So when you le- uh, reach a certain comfort level with your employees, obviously teaching them processes or knowledge or strategies or tactics, when you reach that comfort level, you can step back and obviously focus in your case, like you said, you know, bigger, you know, high profile clients or, you know, new business or whatever else you find as like a, a top level goal for your business. Exactly. So what's one thing that you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? See, I, that's, a, that's a great question. So I think that um, there is, you know, in terms of, of, you know, weaknesses is I would say that there's like, it's always uh, the double side of the coin as what you, some of your biggest strengths are, are also some of your, uh, the opposite, the flip side of that, it, you know, double-edged sword, right, is is the, the weakness. And so I'll give a couple of examples. So in one, I talked about how insatiable my desire for achievement is. And, um, you know, at a certain point, like that could become a little bit unhealthy, right? Everybody, I think, knows kind of the classic example of somebody that's just like achieving or accumulating more money or revenue or whatever, just for the sake of that. And they're not tying attachment to other things. And you end up actually not being that happy when you do that. And I have fallen into that trap in the past. And, you know, luckily what I've been able to do is find the enjoyment that I have, like in the team that I have, the impact that I have, the clients that I have. Um, So I think that it's one of those things where, you know, that is something that, you know, is a double-edged sword, right? Because if you're really after achievement, if you don't tie fulfillment to it, you're going to run into a problem. And, and you hear, you know, even if you, you if you listen to, you know, Tony Robbins talks about this as well, right? He calls it the achiever's curse is a lot of achievers are unhappy, right? Because they don't have that sense of fulfillment. And so that's something that I've really been focusing on is, okay, how can I like, you know, one of the things I love doing right now is we're building just this incredible culture with our team, even remote based culture, right? Where, you know, on Slack, like we have all these different, you know, we have different emojis, we have wins channels. We, we literally constantly, we have a channel that's dedicated to client wins. So it's all of, you know, like basically a client posts, like got, whether they got their first sale or, you know, they're tracking for their, their biggest revenue month ever, or maybe they got their ads launched or whatever it is, you know, we have, we have a whole channel that just all day long is getting filled up with our client wins. And it just reminds you of like why we're doing this. It's not about, you know, necessarily just hitting those numbers. Although 
those numbers also are important because the problem is you don't want to necessarily get complacent because then you know you're not growing, you're not impacting more people. But it's also not just about that growth; it's about what that impact is. And so I'd say that's probably you know one of the weaknesses I've had in the past is not remembering that the joy is in the journey. You know, and and instead of living in the future, being like, all right, I've got this goal, I'm not going to like sleep until I hit this goal or whatever. It's like saying, well, I want, I know I want to hit this goal, and I will. But I'm also going to enjoy the journey and the process in between now and then. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, enjoying the journey. And I think for me, it's a moving target. So obviously, you don't reach a goal and you plateau and you hang out. I mean, which you can if you're comfortable, you know, financially sound, if that's what you want to do. I'm not knocking that. But usually when you get to a point, you're going to have the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So you have to be able to be passionate about it and enjoy it for you to not, you know, lose sight of, you know, why you're doing it or why it makes you happy. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's always, like you said, it's always a moving target. And what you can do is you can just refine how quickly you move back to, you know, on track. Right. And so, you know, like you're, there's always going to be things that pull you off a little bit one direction or the other. Right. And it's kind of like this balancing act, right. Between, you know, you don't want to be too overly fulfilled that you're complacent, but you also won't be too achievement hungry that you're like got blinders on and you're only looking at a goal and you don't care how you get, the, you know, it's basically, how can you get in between? You can find that fulfillment and that enjoyment. And, you know, also you can be creating the business and the impact that you want to create along the way. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you could leave with the audience, personal or professional? That's a great, that's a great example. That's a great, a great question. I mean, to say Um, in terms of advice that I would give is really just, you know, focusing on, you know, what you love to do and bringing people onto your team that do things that, you know, are going to complement that and things that you don't find energy in. It was game changing for me. And this is also something I realized a little earlier on, but I'm even realizing smaller bits of this now. Game changing to me that some of the things that I hate doing the most, other people love to do. Like I personally, it's hard for me to, you know, imagine somebody who likes getting into the very nitty gritty details of, operations and like, you know, this is oiled here, this is doing this and like, you know, checking in on this, like having a list of things to check in on daily. But, you know, I have an incredible head of operations, uh, Julia, that just, just does a fantastic job. She loves it. She like eats, sleeps and breathes operations. And her lifelong dream was to be the head of operations at like a consulting company. And so it's just like, and, and she's just fantastic. And so I found somebody who can come into my company and enjoy doing the things I don't enjoy doing. It's the same thing in other areas as well. I think the challenging part is when you start, when you get to a level of scale, when you have to bring people on to do things that you do enjoy doing, that's actually harder. So once you realize that, yes, you can hire people to do things that you don't enjoy doing, you're like, this is a game changer. And then you want to do that for everything, which is good because you know, as long as you have the budget and the cash flow to sustain it, it's great for you to do that because then you could focus on what you do best. But at a certain level, you're going to realize if this is what you want, because there's another direction where you hire somebody else as the CEO. But if you want to be the CEO, there's other things that you know, are you're going to have to come off your plate. So for the longest time, you know, even as we we scaled, like you know, just just to it, like long after I should I should have, I was still managing my own ads and my own ad spend. I was man- managing ad spend, you know, for, for our accounts when we were doing like, you know, $500,000, $600,000 a month. And, you know, 
I was still managing all of that, all of the ads. I didn't have even a single media buyer on my team because, and a little bit of that, and I didn't think, I like to think I'd try and be, you know, humble. And, you know, I didn't realize what that ego comes in different ways. It's not just the Lamborghini style ego. It's also, you know, kind of the ego saying like, oh, only I can do this. But, you know, cause I was thinking because I'm the YouTube ads person, only I can run our YouTube ads. But then I realized, wait a second, like this is actually holding us back. And so we brought on media buyers, um, you know, and they've just been fantastic. And they've been like leverage. I literally had a meeting this morning where I said, all right, I want to test this, this, and this. And they're like, we're on it. And, and then they're going to, and then I'm going to be able to see for myself or more likely they're going to report back to me on Slack. How did it go? Screenshots, Loom video, whatever. And I'm going to still be able to come up with some of these ideas, but my team is going to execute on it. And so I think that that, um, you know, the first step, so depending on where the listeners are at, the first step is hiring for things that you don't enjoy doing that other people do, but then even harder later on, again, this is later on, you want to keep this as long as, you know, as it, until you scale to the point where this makes sense. But at a certain point, you also need to let go of things that you even do enjoy doing um, if that's right for you. Now, I decided I want to scale the business. I want to be the CEO and get to that level. And it made sense for me. Some people might realize, wait a second, if scaling to this next level means that they might be happy where they're at and, and running the things that they're doing, or they may go a different direction. They might hire somebody else as the CEO, for instance. But I knew for me that, you know, to, to pass things off um, was, was really important in our scale. And it's, it's just been so valuable. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, it's situational, but you're going to have to let go at some point. Obviously, if you're a business owner, a product creator, you know, author, if you have some kind of business where you have employees, you're going to need to let things go to scale. I mean, oftentimes you start out a business, it's you by yourself. And then when you get to positions where you get or let go things that, you know, you can go to a, do it for a certain level. But if you hire a professional, like you said, they enjoy it and they can take it to the next level. Um, it's oftentimes harder to do than obviously than, than I'm saying. But when you realize that level and it becomes easier and easier to let go, I think the the acceleration of scale becomes more noticeable. Absolutely. I, I completely, I'm co completely agree. I love that. Yeah. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you or anything else you have going on? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Um, so if you want to learn more about YouTube ads, about omnipresent retargeting, how to incorporate that in your business, um, we actually put together a few gifts for just for listening to this. You can go to ad outreach. That's a D O U T R E A C H ad outreach.com slash gift. And I put together links with, you know, our YouTube ads, uh, masterclass. We also have an omnipresent retargeting training, uh, link to our Facebook group where you can interact with me and see all kinds of different trainings. And of course the ability to book a call with our team. If you feel like that's a good fit. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.